It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. This is Bonus Benson. This segment is officially completely off the rails. What are you talking about? Stuff we wish never aired. You know, I'm the talent. Right, of course. Except I'm the talent. Come on, man. The Guy Benson Show. Home stretch, Monday edition, Guy Benson Show. Appreciate you being here. GuyBensonShow.com. Our website podcast is always free on demand. Got a lot of TV this week including some big stuff up in New York. We'll tell you about that as the week progresses. So on Friday, we gave you a little preview that producer Christine was going to be hosting a brunch at her home yesterday for a bunch of her relatives driving from Long Island, New York, to New Jersey, something that they almost never do. Usually Christine and Bobby and Megan are the ones schlepping out to Long Island. Finally, some reciprocity. So Christine said we're going to do a brunch. And she said the star of the show, well, a few of them, you're going to have this casserole with some French toast casserole, I think. But a big star of the show was going to be crumb cake. She was very excited to bake with the assistance, at least the guidance of Quiet Wyatt, who, as we were reminded on Friday's show, used to run a small bakery business when he was in high school, because that is extremely on brand for Wyatt. So I was sort of skeptical just because you know it's christine and as she's admitted herself she's not really the cook of the house but she wanted to take on this whole project herself and at least she would have Wyatt. i know he said he'd be ready on facetime if necessary to help her with the baking process but i just wasn't so sure and i will say i got a text message from my mother who was listening to the home stretch as she very often does with my dad And she thinks, I think she worries that I'm a little bit too hard on Christine sometimes. So she was like, be nice. She's going to do great. It's going to be lovely. It's going to be great. She's got this. And I was like, does she? So yesterday I texted our team. Hadn't heard anything for a while. So I texted the team. How did it go? How was the crumb cake? And I heard nothing back. Nothing even from Wyatt. And I was like, is he taking a small cat nap having read the entire Wall Street Journal cover to cover twice. I mean, it's just strange to have no response. Then finally, we start to hear a couple of things. And Christine, it turns out that my mother's faith in you was perhaps not fully well-placed in that the crumb cake didn't get made at all. Is that right? So let me just point out your mother was correct because the brunch was successful. Very, very successful. Just like your dry January that ended seven days in? Well, remember, we changed it to damp, and I'm nailing it on damp January as well. No, so your definitions of success, I think, are suspect is what I'm pointing Mm -hmm. out. But go ahead. The crumb cake, it wasn't a failure because it was never made. So I... I never got the chance to even attempt it because apparently well, isn't that I had... a, isn't that a fail? Like if you don't hand in an assignment in the school, right? That's an F. 
Well, right, but this wasn't necessarily an assignment. No, I no, mean, it wasn't I... required. You had just told mm -mm. a national audience <laughs> that, like, very confidently, almost with a sense of boastfulness, that you were going to be doing this and you got this and you had the whole thing from Wyatt, and then it just, well, just like, didn't even make it onto the launch pad. What, did you run out of time? Uh, I didn't have the proper ingredients, and then I ran out of time. Yes, I thought my family was coming a little later, and what I wanted to do was make the crumb cake like. Whoa! Fresh hang on! Hang the... on! Hang on! Hang on! Hmm. What time were they invited for? Like, in what way? You were the host, so you did know... they come shockingly early, or do you tell them the wrong time? So what happens with, um, I'm sure people that know this that have family in Long Island, you don't really tell them a time. They tell you a time, basically when they're going to get there. So mm. uh, the ETA was supposed to be noon, and then all of a sudden it was like 11.20. So that's 40 mi minutes of I needed to go get the proper ingredients. I didn't have the right oil. Apparently I was supposed to have vegetable oil, and the only oil that we had was I think avocado and olive oil and my husband was like you cannot bake with that like it's Wait, were not you gonna, gonna try to make a crumb cake with olive oil yeah I just didn't I just figured oil's oil like I didn't oh. really put even, much into even I know I mean Wyatt help us here so but, but there's olive oil cakes like I've heard of so yeah but that's I, I think specifically made for that purpose with a particular recipe to make it taste good it's not substituting olive oil for a different oil for a cake that's supposed to have a different taste profile we could say <laughs> why am I right about that yes that's correct you you do not want to mix those two different types of oils up because you might not even have a cake it might just be like a pancake <laughs> Huh. What about the avocado oil? Would that have worked? Mm, I don't. I mean, I don't know. You could have experimented, but I would have not have recommended doing that on a, a stick on a... to the recipe. That's well, the but point here's of the, the recipe. Thing, but don't you remember? I went on the like anti seed oils thing in the summer, so I threw out all the bad oils. The only oils we have in the house are olive oil and avocado oil. But that was oil. yet another phase that you went through, didn't stick with, then you needed the oil that you'd thrown away. And just like you've thrown away previous vacuum cleaners, it just seems like it's just a rolling cascade of decisions, Christine, that sometimes just don't pan out. Well... I mean, I think for the benefit of my child's health, my health, and my husband's health, I think I did a good thing by getting rid of, you know, the bad oils, as they call them. But I guess you needed that proper, that oil for baking. I wonder if I could have bought co coconut oil. I don't know. If any bakers are out there, let me know, like, a good alternative. Because vegetable oil, they use that to, like, make car tires. It's not but you'd good have for to, you. But you'd have to plan in advance to have a recipe and then follow the recipe and not just be, like, in a lab coat with beakers trying to figure <laughs> out, Christine, on your own, like, oh, maybe this different oil will work out. So I think ultimately it was a wise decision not to make the cake with the wrong oil, which could have been, frankly, a much more entertaining failure for the purposes of this show. But uh, you just, just didn't do it at all. Yeah, so I, I mean, hope your other stuff was better. Like, did you, how was your uh, twirled eggs dish? Okay, 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 another thing. We never got to the eggs. You didn't I cook eggs. I swear it was, I swear I forgot about that too. And I even bought chives to like sprinkle over the eggs. Wait, we never got scrambled to the eggs. Scrambled eggs, which you called twirled, scrambled yeah. eggs take. It's like the shortest, quickest thing to cook in the world. 
You know, it just seemed like I had a lot of food already. So like I, we forgot, like once everybody left, I looked at Bobby. I'm like, I forgot to do the eggs. He's like, oh my God. And eggs are expensive these days. Yeah, They're we have crazy like expensive. a huge amount of eggs right now. I just realized we have so many eggs in the fridge because he bought like double. When scrambled know. eggs, in my opinion, just like bacon, when scrambled mm -hmm. eggs and bacon is prepared, it just gets consumed. If it's there, it's easy to eat a lot of without feeling like you're eating that much of it. You just twirl them right up. You fry up the bacon. People would have eaten it. Did people eat bacon? Did you cook the bacon? We had bacon. We I baked the bacon. Uh, we had sausage. You like, baked you know, it? Yeah, we baked the bacon. Hmm. Okay. It's healthier than, you know, frying it. And then um, Bobby, Megan, and I all together, I mean, really, Bobby did it, but we helped uh, make the French toast casserole the night before, and that was easy peasy because then you just, like, you know, let it sit overnight, and then you throw it in the oven. So I had that, the bacon, the sausage, fruit, and I made a little charcuterie board. So I totally forgot about the um, eggs. Thanks for reminding me. The eggs. Me. Yeah, I mean, all it is is eggs at a breakfast brunch. <sighs> easy, easy thing to forget, I guess. Now, were your relatives satisfied considering how difficult it is to get them to jersey they always make you come to them do you feel like they were impressed and might return yeah i'm not sure if they were definitely impressed with like the food they just couldn't get over where we lived because remember we moved into like a really nice apartment complex like you know with the nice amenities so like now they're like texting me the summer can we use your pool like okay they there you go the pool could help <laughs> They couldn't get over how nice it looks like a hotel. So they like, were really Bobby could grill. They could use the pool. So maybe you'll be able to woo them back and you can do a little bit less driving over the summer. See, that's a plus. I think so. I think the whole day and we had which was nice. And then I had bought like peach and mango juice to try to make mimosas like a little different. Don't do that. Stick with the orange juice. Don't try to so like there was go, there know. was booze. Did you have some booze? A little bit, not much, mm. not much at all. I mean, a couple, but nothing, that's nothing. A couple. Really, nothing. Did you have any I mean, wine, like, like, previously in the weekend? No. Mm -mm. Nope. So all of your boozing was on Sunday? Yeah, and it, like I said, it was just, it was minimal. And then, mm. you know, they left, and it was, you know, it's a lot. When you're hosting, the, the bulk of it is the cleaning after. It just takes forever. Yeah, the, the cleaning um, is not fun. Success. I love how you just say, oh, it wasn't much. It was just a couple, just a couple alcoholic <laughs> beverages. Day drinking, by the way, I will point out. Uh, speaking of all of that, Dan, are you still hanging on, hanging in there with your dry January? I am, but just barely. I mean, it was really tough, I got to say, especially with the, all the talk about this brunch. I was like, I really could go for like a bloody or a mimosa or something like that. But I'm hanging strong. You did it. I'm not damp. I am For another weekend, you've done it. Impressive, and that's why I asked, doing some accountability stuff. For now. I had a very, very, very damp Friday, but that was it. But, of course, I was never claiming to be a dry January adherent, unlike Christine. By the way, one last point, since we're talking about food and cuisine and all things culinary. We watched over the weekend, I think it was on HBO Max, a movie called The Menu which is kind of a horror suspense-type film, but also kind of a very dark comedy that's making fun of over-the-top foodie culture. And as someone who enjoys over-the-top foodie culture but can roll my eyes at how excessive it can get, I found the movie to be 
disturbing on some level, but also quite fun. I laughed multiple times over the course of this movie. And it had been recommended by a few different people. I saw some of the reviews were excellent. And I enjoyed it. I think Christine would hate it if I had to guess. Dan, did you watch it? Yeah, I did. I loved it. I love Ray so Fiennes, good. too. And I, the whole concept was hilarious and, and gruesome, and I love both. Yeah, a couple just terrific one-liners that made me laugh. The sommelier and his pretentiousness <laughs> yeah. got me a couple times. The line about the Ivy League school and the student debt and, and what the chef said to her right after that, that cracked me up. So I recommend it. It's good. It's clever. It's funny. It's dark. Christine would not like it. I'm just warning you, Christine, in advance. All right, I feel like Bobby had to spoke about this, but we are so entrenched right now in Yellowstone. We're on season two, so that's all we've been People watching. People love it. You and oh, Ron DeSantis, your cousin, although it's spelled differently. Yeah, your names are similar. Last names are similar, but not the same. He loves Yellowstone. I think Bobby would like the menu. I'm not sure you would. But if you end up watching it, you can report back and tell me if I'm wrong. I so rarely am. Now, with that, I've got to go. We've all got to go. Show's over. Back here tomorrow for the Guy Benson Show with the holiday weekend ending for most folks. We are working hard today. Talk to you for the Tuesday edition coming up, and have a great night. Home stretch on this Tuesday on the Guy Benson Show. Tune in tonight. I'm on special report on the panel. Mike Emanuel in for Brett Baer. Be on set here at the D.C. Bureau around 645 Eastern Time, Fox News Channel. Up to New York tomorrow and Thursday for some TV. Very busy schedule while I'm up there. We'll tell you about that on this program tomorrow. In the meantime, we'll remind you that our website is GuyBensonShow.com. Podcast free every day on demand. So whenever I travel internationally, which I try to do maybe once a year, sometimes more, I enjoy some repartee, some banter with folks who live abroad about some of the weird idiosyncrasies that we as Americans engage in. And of course, there's different vernacular and terms that people use, even in the English speaking world, that differ from country to country, region to region. So there'll be some good natured ribbing back and forth on that. Then there are other issues such as the metric system versus what we do here. And then Fahrenheit versus Celsius when it comes to temperatures. I have never understood the Celsius scale. And that's not because I've never lived abroad. In fact, I grew up as a young kid abroad where Celsius was a thing. I was in Hong Kong, which at the time was a British colony. I remember vaguely we used Celsius. It's just something that I never really internalized. And then moving back to the U.S., you just get right into Fahrenheit. And I know that sometimes the Brits or anyone else, especially in Europe, they like to make fun of us. They're like, oh, the whole rest of the world uses Celsius, and then these weirdos use Fahrenheit. Like, here's a map of the world that uses Fahrenheit, and it's like just us. And then the Murica response to that is, well, here's a similar map of the world, in fact, exactly the same, showing all the countries that haven't landed on the moon and the ones that have. It's just us. So we can take a bow, let the eagle soar, wave a giant flag. But the thing about the temperature stuff, and I have to admit, as someone who I think is like relatively well-traveled and worldly and cosmopolitan enough, I am so bad at Celsius. I don't understand it. I have none of it even committed roughly to memory. Every time it comes up, I'm Googling on my phone 
It's like the conversion. And it makes no sense to me. The only part of Celsius that makes sense to me is that zero degrees Celsius is freezing. Aside from that, it's like, forget it. And it's on a much smaller scale as it pertains to temperatures that human beings would ever have to deal with. So, like, if you're on a flight headed abroad and the pilot comes on with the uh, little uh, pilot update as you're getting ready to land, and they always tell you all sorts of little details that matter absolutely nothing to travelers, like visibility. They tell you how much visibility they've got. Okay, great. Good luck. You've got the only window looking straight ahead, so you do what you need to do. You've got a lot of computers up there and radar or whatever. I'm glad that you've got visibility. They've got the uh, wind speed that they tell you about. It's uh, blowing out of the northeast. Okay, great. Terrific. Is that going to impact my experience sitting here in seat 21F? I mean, probably not. And then they finally get around to the temperature, which might be helpful, except sometimes they'll tell you Celsius. It's like, okay, totally useless. Do I need to put on a jacket when I get off the plane? So the point of this is to lead up to something that I saw on Instagram today. I think the Instagram algorithms have got me pretty figured out at this point, at least for the type of content I'm looking for when it comes to Instagram videos. I get served a ton of dog videos that are just delightful. There was one of a husky singing today. Made me smile. Then I will get lots of aviation-related stuff especially luxury first-class cabins on some of these exotic airlines. I get a lot of that. I get some food preparation stuff. I get some attractive gentlemen. Like, oh, look at his workout regimen or whatever. This is what comes up. It's like, okay. And another one is comedy. I guess I liked a few stand-up comedy bits that I had seen or people had sent me, and then it's just like flooding into my feed. So I discover some funny people through Instagram that just get, like, shoved at me by the machine. And when I like them enough and they show up enough and I enjoy their stick, then I follow them, thus doubling down on the algorithm. So I haven't followed this guy yet, but I saw his little bit about Celsius versus Fahrenheit today. His name is Simon Fraser. He's from London. He's in his mid-20s, but he moved to the U.S. I believe he moved to Ohio in 2021 and he goes on this whole shtick about how fahrenheit is so much more intuitively better than celsius and it's nice to get a brit saying these things because he's making the points that i guess i sort of understood in my bones as an american but he's making them rather cleverly and now i've got this that i can throw back at my friends whenever they question America on Fahrenheit, because it just makes a lot more sense. It makes so much more sense, especially after you've listened to comedian Simon Fraser lay it all out. Cut 28. Love American, man. Love Love everything about America. Fahrenheit? Oh, my God. Dude, Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit. Like, you tell me. You tell me it's 70 degrees Fahrenheit. I am like, great. It is 70% hot. 
You tell me it's 50 degrees Fahrenheit, 50% hot. 100 degrees Fahrenheit, 100% hot. If it's any hotter than that, it's too hot. You tell me it's 14 degrees Celsius, I have no idea what to do with that information. Do I need a jacket? Can I wear shorts? Will it snow? Who is the Prime Minister? This is how stupid Celsius is as a system. I mean, amen. And the American crowd eating it up with a giant spoon. Spoons, by the way, not covered in the metric system. We don't do that here. Big old American spoons. And then he pivots to making an additional point that I never thought about, which is the precision of Fahrenheit versus Celsius as it pertains to people's personal taste, especially in their homes, this is another important angle to this story. Cut 29. 69 degrees Fahrenheit to 71 degrees Fahrenheit are all 22 degrees Celsius. Anyone who has ever lived with someone who likes it a little bit colder at night will tell you there is a big difference between 69 degrees Fahrenheit and 71 degrees Fahrenheit. You change the thermostat. He's right. Some people like to sleep at a very specific temperature. And in Celsius, as he's saying, multiple degrees Fahrenheit equal one degree Celsius. Much less precise, much less easy to, I say, come to a position of mutual understanding if you're sleeping under the same roof. By the way, it's not even like you can just say, okay, Fahrenheit to Celsius is you just subtract a certain number of degrees or add a certain number of degrees. It's much more complicated than that. It's like you multiply it by two and then subtract seven or, or something crazy like that. Don't quote me on that. I'm making that up. But it's something fairly complex. Wyatt, fact check me on that, how you actually do the calculation, which is just far too much math for me to do. Thankfully, we have the Google machine. Do you have an answer? No, he's, he's uh, tapping away at his computer. So we'll get you that in just a moment. But I've never heard it, even though it's done quite humorously there, and I think that's a very good bit from Simon Fraser, this comedian I'd never heard of until today, he's also exactly right. I'm almost a little bit jealous that I never thought of this. Why the Fahrenheit system makes so much sense. The whole percentage thing. If it's zero degrees, it's zero percent hot. If it's 100 degrees, it's 100 percent hot. If it's greater than 100, it's way too hot. If it's below zero, it's way too cold. And then the scale of one degree to 99 degrees, you can sort of easily make judgments about what kind of clothing you would need to wear in preparation for that based on a very easy, quick mnemonic in your head. All right, Wyatt has an answer, it seems. So does this sound about right? Multiply by 1.8 and add 32? I mean, could be. Sounds right enough and ridiculous. I'm not going to do that, especially with a little computer in my pocket. I'll just Google it. But that's not an easy conversion. I'm not saying that America should turn into a giant imperialist power and try to take over the world. That is not something that I advocate. But... 
If we were to do so, I think the imposition of Fahrenheit by brute force would be a righteous use of our power. (laughs) I have to send this clip to some friends now. Christine, did you enjoy this? Was this an enjoyable soundbite or was this a waste of time? Oh, I loved every second of that soundbite. I also I really enjoyed your pilot imitation. Didn't know you had that. In Thank your back you. Pocket. Yeah, they do that sort of like deep but vocal fry thing. You can't quite hear them properly. They're always a little bit nonchalant about everything. Too school for cool. They're a pilot after all. But yeah, they, they give you all that info. If I ever did stand up comedy, I would probably do a bit about all the useless miscellaneous <laughs> surroundings, atmospheric information they give you before landing that has no bearing whatsoever on your day, your life, anything like that. That is very funny. I mean, I was always listening. Every time I go on a plane, I have to talk to the pilot, and usually I ask them to say hello to me. So that's what I'm usually waiting for when they give their you know, Wait, announcements. How, what is this? You get on the plane and you try to talk to the pilots? Have there been any I security incidents? Have you been dragged no. off the plane like there's a deranged person trying to get into the cockpit? No, I have a very I have a whole system to get on the plane. Like my right hand has to touch the plane for a few seconds, then I turn what? left and go straight into the cockpit. Every time. You could ask Bobby about this. What? <laughs> I have a very you have to touch yeah, the I have a, airplane like the exterior of the airplane for a certain period my, of time before you My right hand has to touch it. And I have to wear a certain Why? necklace when I go <laughs> What? It's just what? Yeah, I wear I wear a certain cross. Like it's the same cross that I've had since I was little, but it has to be that one cross. I, yeah. Or I guess else, we've never flown together. Or else it's know. a bad I don't, outcome I don't of the know. flight, which yeah. it doesn't happen, Christine. I mean, flights are extremely safe. And then you go up to the cockpit, welcome uh-huh. or unwelcome, and uh-huh. you what insist that them. they give you a shout out on the PA system? Yeah, well, usually, like, I'll talk to them. Sometimes they'll let me sit in the seat. You know how they let the kids do? They'll let, they let the adults do it, too. Um, I'll talk to them a little bit. I'll just, I always joke around. I'm like, are you guys sure you're up? You're okay? Like, do you need a cup of coffee before I go sit down? You're, like, just, like, don't do anything that's going to cause any problems. We kind of joke sometimes. And then I turn around, See, and Bobby usually, yeah, I would <laughs> go on. Not, I would not feel more comfortable or more safe on a flight knowing that Christine had just been in a pilot seat. God knows what kind of button she was pushing by accident. She's probably doing a sobriety check on the pilots when, in fact, they should be doing one on her. This is brand new information. I can barely even compute this. This is more of a revelation even than the Celsius to Fahrenheit calculation that we were just talking about. We might have to re-explore this in greater depth soon. That is a bunch of new information that just has me at a loss. And it's just as well because we're out of time anyway. So let's take just a short 21-hour break. Back here tomorrow, same time, same place on The Guy Benson Show. See you tonight on Special Report. On the panel, it is The Guy Benson Show. Home stretch from New York. It's the Guy Benson Show. Catch me on Kennedy tonight, one-on-one, just after the 7 o'clock hour begins. That's Fox Business Network this evening. GuyBensonShow.com, our online home here. The podcast is free, on demand every day. So earlier this hour, we had Janice Dean here, obviously. And on her way into the studio, 
We were talking about her new book. I have a copy here in my hands. I am the storm. And producer Christine is escorting her into the studio and like, this is your chair, here are your headphones. And she is confessing to Janice that she, Cookie, was one of those people who was just throwing bouquets of flowers of adoration at Governor Andrew Cuomo for quite a long time during COVID. And I remember the phase that Cookie went through. And she brought this up on her own. And I was simply confirming that Christine was telling the truth, said, yeah, she has very bad judgment on some things. And Janice just had to nod along. And then later, Janice brought up, almost out of nowhere, unprovoked for me, Janice brought up the Harry and Meghan situation, the British royal family, and Harry's book, and all of his little juicy, gross details, and violating everyone's privacy. And I was like, you know, speaking of Harry and Meghan, you know who loves them is Christine. She's hardcore on their side, just like she loved Andrew Cuomo. See what I'm saying about the judgment thing? And Janice was just almost shooting daggers at Christine, like, who is this person? So, Christine, you're making it seem like it is my fault Mm -hmm. for telling the truth. My job is to tell the truth. I'm a truth teller, Christine. (laughs) Let me just say, you missed the beginning of the conversation where I had, I'm the booker of your show. Mm -hmm. So I had booked Janice Dean. And as we're walking in, I said to her, I really loved the book. I love the whole idea of the book because I knew her challenges, you know, before this. We've had her on for years talking about what was going on with Cuomo. And I had said when I started to read the beginning of her book, she talked about how hard it was at the beginning to go after the former governor of New York because so many people had such admiration for him mm-hmm. in the beginning of the pandemic. And I had said I was one of those people. Yes. I don't think I was in love with the guy. I mean, I think you describe yourself as a Cuomo-sexual there for a while. I definitely didn't describe myself as that. I think you may have. Well, but you were talking about how great he was. You called him Andy. You had a little pet name for him. He's so handsome. Remember little macaroni boy? Remember him and his brother? It was it was cute. You loved it. I did. I was never taken in by it. You were. And so... I think that was a judgment issue. I was just so, agree I was agreeing with you on right, that. But but that's not what I needed you to add on to as your producer. I have I am a professional. I know you don't know this. I have been working well, as a producer. <laughs> I don't know why Dan's laughing too. I've been working as a producer at Fox News since 2005. By the way, I just want to say you just said almost indignantly, I am a professional and everyone with an earshot burst into laughter. <laughs> Not why, why, right? Well, he's not within earshot, but I'm sure he is chuckling with his little impish grin back in D.C. He knows. Why, you weren't laughing down there, were you? I actually did laugh, so. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Three for three. So anyway, look, if the shoe fits, that's what I say. And you took Cuomo's side. You're taking Harry and Meghan's side. It's a whole string of these things. I'm just pointing it out. one has anything to do with the other. It's two different stories. I it's mean, judge of character and just being right and wrong. By the way, I will say, I guess we had teased recently on a home stretch that we might devote a whole home stretch to you trying to defend Harry and Meghan and Mary Catherine Ham, who came up last hour with Dagan McDowell. She was actually eager to hear you try to defend it because she is so strongly on the other side. Oh, I thought you were going to say she agreed oh, with Oh, absolutely me. not. She's like, she is so cartoonishly wrong about so many of these things. She wanted to hear that segment. And I was trying to find it. I actually went to a random part of Bonus Benson this weekend trying to find it. 
and it happened to be the moment when I was wondering if you should buy a crumb cake from a store as a backup, and you were absolutely adamant that you had it, it was under control, don't you worry, Cookie's Crumb Cake was happening. Who would ever doubt me? And then, of course, there was no crumb cake at all. So or I, eggs. Liter- or eggs, no twirled eggs. So I burst out laughing at that in my car, just totally at random. That's the moment that it landed on. So the plan for this home stretch was actually to interrogate you further on something that you mentioned yesterday, just as like a little aside. And you can't drop a bomb like this at the very end of a home stretch. Like, oh, yeah, by the way, Cookie needs to wear the same necklace and touch the plane like you're blessing it when you get on an airplane With every time. With my right hand. With your right hand, touching the plane on the outside. And then you go into the cockpit and then you texted us photographs of you in cockpits. This is what you do. Yep. It's all very interesting and strange to me. And I was going to ask you a bunch of questions about it here. But then on my train up to New York today, you're like, oh, I've got something I want to talk about because you're upset about this. A new life tribulation. You have been now banned. Talk about cancel culture. You have been banned from your daughter's gymnastics events by the coach. What happened? Yeah, thanks a lot, Savannah. (laughs) Wow. Okay, let me just set the scene for you. I was a gymnast growing up. Well, like really, I was like you were a a you were a competitive aerobic athlete in the eighties. That's a long, long, deep pull inside joke. You were trained in the Soviet Union. We know all of that, but we'll just. For the purposes of this, call it gymnastics. Okay. So, like, the two passions in my life were horseback riding and gymnastics. So, I did gymnastics, you know, from the age of four until, like, teen years. So, I know a lot about it. Did you do, like, flips and stuff? Yes, of course. Could you still? No, Megan asks me all the time, and I'm just afraid I'm going to We have a pretty long hallway right out here. Can we just see what happens? So, I, a few years back during the Summer Olympics... I pretended I was dismounting from a beam when I was call screening for one of the older shows, and I totally ate it and fell. And our boss actually had said, please don't do that anymore because we don't need a lawsuit. Would they sue you? (laughs) (laughs) It was not good. Everybody heard about it, and they were all asking. I really did try to dismount. So is that what happened at your daughter's thing, and you were then banned? No. So what happened is (laughs) Megan— I was asked not to come back. The, the word ban has not been used I mean, yet. I was just asked to drop her and pick her up. So she goes to gymnastics. Like, please do not come here anymore. Right. Sounds so I, like would sit, I would sit there for the entire class and watch Megan. And, you know, videoing her because I wanted to show her, like, you know, after. Look, maybe we could have fixed or something. And Megan is constantly looking at me during the class. So, like, oh. she'll be in the middle of trying to do a round off off the beam, and she's staring at me. So, it's so you're, not— So you're a helicopter parent. You're like a dance mom. No, but I'm actually—I'm actually helping. Like, I actually know— Are you? What, because yeah, because I know what's Savannah happening. Savannah apparently mm-hmm. disagrees. Yeah, thanks. So, anyway, Savannah— the, co- the actual coach. Mm-hmm. She thinks she's so great because she almost went to Worlds, which is like right below the Olympics. Mm-hmm. She almost has- almost went to Worlds. Yeah. All right. So she's just right. below Worlds, which is just below Olympics. Which is just below. Like I was just below that. Well, except for your <laughs> like really below, <laughs> really really impressive eighties 
dance moves, and that was nationally televised. Mm-hmm. But no, anyway, please. Okay. She, at the end, had said that Megan keeps asking, like, turning around and saying, I just want to see what my mommy said, you know, after she does something. Because then I would say to her, like, you know, fix your hands or, you know, sit up tighter. Oh, so you're coaching her from the sidelines. Right. But not really coaching, just helping her. And, like, you if know. she's on the beam, I'll be like, Megan, Megan, like, you could, like. Oh, so, you're, so tight, you are actively tummy. distracting. I didn't know it was distracting. We had a whole conversation. You literally said, even when she's dismounting off of, like, beams and stuff, she's looking at you. I have to send you a video. There's a video of her just staring at me so that, <laughs> midair. So how can you say you didn't realize that you were distracting? That is what you're describing is the definition of a distraction. Right, but we could have fixed that, I think. I, this was a huge conversation at on Christmas Eve at Judgy Joyce's house because they were all saying, like, you've got to stop going. Even back then, because Megan was like, mommy comes to all of my gymnastics classes. And my sister and Bobby were like, that's not normal. Like, you drop her off and you pick her up. Yeah. So Joyce, Judgy Joyce, and Bobby, once again, are correct. Yeah. And like, I agree with them. My mom, like, hightailed it out of there. She, she didn't, when I would go to gymnastics, I'm not even sure she knew I was in the door. <laughs> She's like, see ya. Yeah. Like, see you in four hours. Like, so, wait, it's anyway. only two hours, Mom. See you in four hours. So anyway, the instructor had asked me yesterday. She's like, I just see a little distraction from Megan, and I really do believe Megan can do well. So can maybe you should just drop her and then, like, pick her up. She's like, maybe just come, like, five minutes before the class is over so you can see a little bit of it. That and, sounds very polite, very constructive. But I don't, I, I get so much joy. Like, I really, it makes me happy. Yeah, but who's this about, Christine? Right, but Roy, before I stopped going to him, said, you have to find things that make you happy. This is life. your therapist, Roy. Right. Your ex-therapist. Yeah. Still haven't found a new one. Yeah. Can't you tell? Yeah, get on that. We need to get on that. The more she talks about this, I'm kind of siding with the instructor now. Oh, like... Oh, absolutely. I mean, no. I'm as sorry, soon as she said I've been banned, yeah, from I never said banned. Gymnastics. I'm like, whatever it is, I'm sure it's justified. Like preemptively, it's like guilty until proven innocent, and in fact, guilty. And the fact that it's Bobby, Judgy Joyce, Savannah, Dan, I'm sure Wyatt, and myself all on one side, Christine. I mean, that should be a pretty powerful thing. Um. Maybe we should bring YY into this. Didn't he do a lot of sports? And wasn't his mother no. on the sidelines at his soccer games or when he made balloon animals? No, wasn't she Wyatt, cheering were, him on? When, when you were baking in your kitchen, did was your mother over your shoulder giving you tips every four seconds? No. I I was the, the sole person in there. I think a little bit of distance is, is good. Yes. Are you saying that I shouldn't go at all to the gymnastics class? Well, I mean, what time? I, I mean, I think... Yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't go. I think maybe what Christine is really saying is she needs some more work. We don't give her enough job to like fill her day, so she's spending hours hanging out with little kids. Uh, no, but as I'm sitting there, I am booking, I have to say. Mm. It's a nice mixture. Can you book Savannah? Megan wants her for her birthday party as her instructor. I'm like, no. I feel like you should drop off, pick up, and go to the actual competitions where the role is to go and cheer and root on and let the actual coach that you're paying do the job. I like to see how Megan is doing. Do you know? Like every week it seemed like she was doing something, you know, better and better. 
So I, I just really enjoyed watching her. She's like my beautiful little girl. I, I love seeing her up there. Here's my suggestion. And she's really good. She's definitely better than the other kids. I have a solution. Rather than spending all this time at the gymnastic situation where you're a distraction, instead, go and immerse yourself in the auditory pleasure that is every single rehearsal that they do for the next Christmas concert because you love that so much at the school. That's, Do not remind me of that. That's my solution to this. This was something that just gave me great joy is to watch gave, my pride and joy. Gave past tense. I think it's time to move on because— I have no choice unless I pull Megan out, and I don't want to do that to her. No, because you're holding her back, and you can give her little tips at home maybe, but I think you're paying this teacher to teach, and I think that person needs space to do it, and you can find other things that spark joy. Like what? To be determined. We'll brainstorm. Maybe people can tweet at you, at CookiesJar1988 with solutions. Buying vacuum cleaners, for example. You could do that weekly, since you already do. I can start bothering the people at Ron DeSantis' office every day, all day. Well, we want to have a good relationship with the office, though. So let's pick someone else, like, I don't know, the White House. Corrine Jean-Pierre. Let's try her every day. Let's do that. When in doubt, contact KJP. Back here tomorrow, same time, same place, on The Guy Benson Show from New York City. See you on Kennedy Tonight FBN, and have a great evening. Home stretch, Friday Eve, on The Guy Benson Show, GuyBensonShow.com, podcast free every day, on demand when the show's over, coming up here in just a few minutes. Catch me tonight on Gutfeld. 11 p.m. Eastern, Fox News Channel. I'm on the panel. Looking forward to that. Before we get to the teased topic, Christine getting swindled, I do have a question. We had mentioned this, I think, earlier in the week, and I want to make sure that we satisfy this curiosity. Wyatt, who recently returned from his vacation in the U.K. and France, his first time in those countries, he confided in me that he developed an addiction in the United Kingdom bought a pretty large quantity of a certain product, has blown through all of it already, and is now paying a lot of money to have a bunch of it shipped to him to Washington, D.C., from the U.K. That must cost a pretty penny. Wyatt, what is this newfound addiction? Don't worry. I didn't start smoking cigarettes while across the sea. But well, just wait until you hear what they call cigarettes over there. But go on. <laughs> it's these... Um, these candies, these little gummy candies called squashies or squishies or something, <laughs> and they are just addicting. I like I've eaten a few bags when I was there, like literally like like these little bags. I've, I've eaten all of them, and then I brought some back, knowing I liked them so much. And the one day I'm sitting here in the control room in D.C. and I just keep eating it while I'm working and doing stuff, and then I realize I've eaten a whole bag in one sitting, and that this is now an addiction. So they are called. Squashies. They're made by something called Swizzles. This sounds very British. Swizzles Squashies. And it's unclear from these photos exactly what kind of candy this is. I know that it's definitely not my general taste in candy. I like some chocolate, and that's about it. This looks much closer to the Sour Patch Kids family of candy, if that makes sense. Is that right? 
Yeah, but it's just not as like sugary. You know, it's like it's like a gummy candy. But and the original flavor, which I'm obsessed with, is raspberry and milk, which is weird, but it's very very Ew. good. Raspberry and milk, huh? And so you went through your entire stockpile that you brought home with you. So are you paying some sort of huge premium to have this shipped across the pond? Is this sold in America anywhere? Well, I think you could buy them on Amazon, but I don't know how I feel about that. They don't they don't look good there and they're really expensive like $6 a bag, which that's expensive, but if you order them online on their some British site where you can get them they're only like $2, 2 pounds a bag. Mm. So I think I need to make a, a a bulk order to sustain for a few weeks because I'm I'm going through withdrawals right now. You're shaking, you're sort of scratching, you're itching. Uh, be careful and consult your dentist. I think on this. I was googling the product and it had one of these autofill suggested questions. What do squashies taste like? Here's the answer on Google. They taste raspberry milk. Texture smooth. They are in the form of jellies, but are very hard to chew. Fact check, Wyatt. Very true. Okay. Christine, do you have any thought on this whatsoever? I'm intrigued. I'm trying to figure out how to order some. I feel like Miss Megan would like these. They look like those double-sided erasers. Like (laughs) (laughs) pencil erasers. Yeah, from from back in the day. Oh, when I was bored in school, I would just erase nothing and create the little powder. Just for 20 straight minutes, usually during math class. Sorry, Wyatt. Not my strong suit. All right, so it's Squashies, Wyatt is obsessed, and now we know he will start his day with Rook Coffee, Squashies, and the Wall Street Journal. He really knows how to live on the edge. Yeah, exactly. Wild thing. Wild Wyatt. Let someone bring this man under control. All right, Christine, a couple things here. Nope. Number one, you got a text message from my mother, did you not? I sure did. She's often on your side, not really, but sympathetic because she feels like you get a raw deal here. We poke too much fun at you. I do, and you do. And then yesterday we talked about you getting kicked out of gymnastics class of your I, daughter. I, I just, I was asked to leave. That's banned. And my mother, Lisa, weighed in. What did she say? She feels that I really need to back off here. Mm-hmm. And that she's just, she's so sweet. Bless her heart. She feels that Megan's going to get hurt by trying to watch me while she's doing tumbling, which I, I guess makes sense. So, listen, if Mrs. Benson says yeah. to get out of the class, you get out of the class. So you've got Judgy Joyce, I've got lovely Lisa, and they both believe the same thing here. Mm-hmm. I think that should say something. Lisa's much nicer about it. I mean, I've never met Joyce, but from your stories, that checks out. Okay, so that's thing number one. Thing number two. You came marching, and I was getting ready for Outnumbered earlier. Downstairs, you delivered my Coke Zero, thank you. And you excitedly told me about how you got swindled this morning. <sighs> so you are $35 poorer. What happened? It is raining in the uh, tri-state area today, and I could not find I have this beautiful Fox News umbrella, and I can't find it anywhere. I don't know what happened to it, but... I, I'm. Someone might have stole it. To be perfectly honest. Oh, were you robbed again? Like you were in D.C.? That what happened? Was I robbed in D.C.? Oh yes, yes. No, I you was thought robbed. you were robbed, oh, and right, you were no, screaming that right. you were robbed, and in fact, you had just forgotten something somewhere. Yeah, it wasn't even like I lost it. It was just sit back in the room. Yeah. So Occam's razor is you've lost your umbrella. No one stole it. Okay. 
And so when I got off the train today, I am terrified to take the subway. So I walk to work every day. And, you know, it's You're not- terrified just you think someone's going to shove you in front of a train? Yes. Okay. And I think that's well, a- If you've got a Fox News umbrella, be careful <laughs> in New York City. It's a legit concern about being thrown in, in front of a subway. I think you can maybe position yourself on the platform in such a way as to make that much less likely, and it already is infinitesimally unlikely, but fine. You're going to walk in the rain instead, mm-hmm. okay, for your safety. Yes, mm. and I did not have an umbrella. So I went to the shine place in Penn Station, and they had, like, a variety of umbrellas. And this guy who maybe owns the place, he works there, he seems so friendly and so nice. And I said, you know, which one should I get? And he's like, if you want one that's going to last and it's good quality, get this one. And he gave it to me. And I'm like, okay. I mean, he has an honest face. So let me go buy this umbrella. (laughs) Uh Thinking, could be like 15 bucks. No, $35. Come on. And at that point... He was like, thank you so much for your business. Like, anytime you want your shoes shined oh. or a friend or a relative. Like, he was so nice that I felt really bad saying. We like, could just say it all together. You are the mark. In all of these circumstances, the fortune teller in Times Square, the shoe shine guy ripping you off for a $40 umbrella, Prince Harry buying his book, Andy Cuomo, you're Andy. I mean, there's a, there's a theme here. So you forked over $35 for this extremely high-quality umbrella. He, I'm sure, knew what the weather was like outside. Here's a woman in desperate need of this product. So he price-gouged you. You went for it. Is it at least a fabulous, excellent, superb, high-quality umbrella that you will cherish and use for many years? It barely even covers me. Like, I could still feel the rain Mm -hmm. coming down on my jacket. And it flipped. You know when the wind sometimes gets bad and your umbrella flips up? Yep. Well, halfway walking here, here goes the umbrella all the way up. So now I'm trying to, like, pull it down, and the metal looks like a little bent. So I made the mistake of calling my husband. Mm. And he, I mean, he wasn't surprised. He actually he actually said to me, because um, he listens to Home Stretch, and he said, I might even go text Guy, because Guy is right. You don't have great judgment. Well, it's and also it's also the first thing you said to me when you walked in, too, and I was not surprised at all. She proudly walks around the corner and goes, <laughs> guess what happened? I know. I was like, why are you telling me like this? She because loves these stories. I just can't stories. believe I believed him. He said it was great quality. It broke before you even got to your destination a few blocks. Yeah, and let me tell you, the wind is not that bad no. today. No, the wind is not the problem. The rain is the problem. You were getting rained on, yep. and the basically non-existent wind broke your umbrella mm-hmm. after you spent $35 on it. So now Bobby said, do you have the receipt? And I said, yes. And he's like, you need to march back there on your way home and go return the umbrella. Good luck. Right? Good luck. I think that is, first of all, even if you went Jersey on him, I think it would be hard to get that money back. Secondly, I don't think you have it in you. I think you are going to make awkward eye contact with the guy and chicken out because he's got his honest face. And you're going to walk right past, and those $35 are gone, so. It, it, it does bother me. I'm hoping that maybe, like, his shift is over by the time I get there and there's somebody else. But the thing is, I don't even have the box. He took it. He was so nice. He took it mm. out for me. He goes, a gentleman. You, he knew I needed it then. He's like, let me just take it out of the box for you. So he just handed me the umbrella. I do have the receipt. 
It doesn't say umbrella on it. Mm. Umbrellas are like the most free handout things in the world. I can't imagine spending money on one. $35. I, I know, but they're, everyone gives them out like, like all the time. If it's raining and people are desperate, you see people on the street in New York sometimes being like five bucks, 10 bucks, five bucks, 10 bucks. You paid more than triple the high end of the ripoff cost. And it was, it's, I showed Dan, it's a tiny umbrella. It's nothing to write home about. Your umbrella looks much nicer. Which I just borrowed from my hotel. It's large. I walked, I pushed the button and it flew up. Yeah, and hitting the button in mine, it wasn't shutting. I kept saying to Bobby, this button's not working. For such a high quality product, I'm shocked. Oh, Christine. Has a lifetime warranty, he said. Well, maybe in order to really get your money back and work up the courage to go confront him later on, you need to be on some sort of a sugar high. May I recommend squashies? Back here tomorrow on The Guy Benson Show on Friday back in D.C. Tonight on Gutfeld. Hope to see you there. Have a wonderful week. Home stretch on The Guy Benson Show, Friday edition. GuyBensonShow.com. Free podcast every day. If you're listening on the broadcast, Thriller by Michael Jackson playing us in here. And last night in New York... I went to go see the new musical, MJ, on Broadway. So this really started to happen, gosh, a couple months ago. I go to New York all the time for work, for various TV shows. And depending on my schedule, sometimes I'm very packed at night. Sometimes I really don't have that much to do after a certain time of the evening. And I found myself spending probably too much time just sitting in my hotel room watching TV. I said, okay, I'm in New York. There are things to do. I'm watching, like, Family Feud reruns here, which is fabulous, right? I love the feud. Love the feud. But do I need to be doing that in this city when I am steps away from the entire theater district? And I can go, and it's expensive, but I feel like I can plunk down some money, go see some shows, and witness some of the most talented people, performers in the world, like right here. So I sort of resolved to try to do more of that, even if it meant just going by myself to see shows, which I've done a number of times. So in the last few months, I have seen Come From Away, which I think either has closed or is closing. It ran for years, very successful. I had heard great things about it from enough people that finally I said, all right, before it closes, I want to go see it. And it was really good. Story that's actually 9-11 based. That was, I think, part of the reason why I wasn't, like, busting down the doors to go see it. A 9-11 related musical. But it's based on the true story of this little tiny town, little tiny airport in, like, Nova Scotia, I think, Canada. Where all the inbound international flights coming from Europe had to land on 9-11 because U.S. airspace was closed. You couldn't come here. So they were rerouted to this little tiny town. It's a true story, and they made a musical based on it, and it's actually very touching and charming and at times even funny. So I enjoyed that. I saw the reboot of 1776, the revival of that, which I think first came out on Broadway in the 60s, I want to say, or 70s. Then it was revived in the 90s. I saw it then. I love the movie with Mr. Feeney from Boy Meets World as John Adams. And then 
I had just bought tickets. I saw it was back on Broadway, so I went and bought tickets, only discovering the day of the show that the twist of the revival was it was an all-female and non-binary cast, which is kind of just doing the Hamilton thing. Like, oh, surprise, the Founding Fathers are all these women now this time or whatever. So I was like, all right, here we go. But it's a very good show. The music is good. They treated it respectfully. Some really talented people in that show. It was not my favorite production I've ever seen of it, but it was worth it. I enjoyed the show. Some great musical numbers, and there's actually a tip of the cap to 1776 in Hamilton, sort of the most famous Broadway musical about the founding of America, hat tip to the OG founding musical. Then recently I went to go see Moulin Rouge, which was a spectacle. I didn't really know what to expect. I had never seen the movie, which came out maybe early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, Lady Marmalade, whatever. So I went to go see it. It was fun. The plot really didn't matter. It was just, uh, here's a vehicle to have dozens and dozens of very famous pop songs performed by these talented people as they dance and sing and all that with very cool staging. So it was fun. And then last night I went to go see MJ. I was done with the Gutfeld taping. I couldn't make any shows with a curtain at 7 o'clock, so that limited my options to 8 p.m. curtains. This was one of them. I had heard that it was good. Actually, a friend of mine on Broadway, I DM'd, said, hey, how is this? Because I know he'd seen it. He said, it's amazing. I said, all right. So went, got my ticket. And I'll just say this. I'm not a huge Michael Jackson fan. I'm not not a fan of his music. All right, let's set aside all the personal stuff and the allegations and the, I think, very real likelihood that he molested children. I mean, it's hard to sort of put that out of your head. In fact... That was at the very back of my mind the whole show. But you can't just totally separate the art from the artist when some of the elements of the artist's past crosses big, big, big lines, right? At least in my mind. But the way that they did the show was it was set in 1992 with Michael Jackson getting ready for this big stadium tour that he's going to embark on. And they weave in basically his whole life from the early days of the Jackson 5 and I Want You Back and ABC all the way up through the songs that he is preparing, you know, for this tour from his newest album, 92. So it's before any of the molestation allegations blew up and sort of the whole way that his life sort of spun out of control from that point forward. And then, of course, his untimely death. That just, none of that came into the picture because it was 1992 and previous. That was the time frame for the show. And I actually saw, like, in the playbill, we had a lot of understudies. It was not the A-team, so to speak, in all the major roles, including Michael, although they have three different Michael Jacksons at three different ages. There's a little kid, there's like the young man, and then the early 90s main Michael Jackson who appears kind of throughout the whole show. But the main MJ was the understudy, and he was so good. 
It's like if this guy's the understudy, like you can only imagine like the every night guy, how talented he is. But I would not have known. If not for the little insert into the playbill, I would have assumed this is just the A team. It was that good. And place was packed. There's great buzz about it. And it is impossible not to enjoy some of Michael Jackson's music. And he had so many hits. And it spans decades of, like, you know, the Jackson 5, that era, and, like, Soul Train, and then some of the stuff that the Jacksons did in, like, the early 80s, and then the solo career. And if there is a major Michael Jackson song in existence, it's in the show. And you just don't know when it's coming, necessarily. And as I mentioned, we bumped in here to this segment with Thriller. They gave us a little tease of Thriller before intermission, and then that was it. I was like, that cannot possibly be the full treatment that we're going to get of that song. Sure enough, they did a big production of it later. The dancing is unbelievable. The performances, the singing is great. It is hard not to sort of like dance a little tiny bit in your seat, tap your foot, even as the whitest person on planet Earth. I could not resist. Some of the actors and actresses were especially like the mother character. Her voice just blew me away. There was a duet between her and Michael. I'll be there. Oh, amazing. And then just some high-octane performances throughout the whole show. Big, extraordinary extravaganzas with the dancing and singing and lights and staging. It was just a festival and really well done. Some breathtaking appearances, like Michael Jackson just shows up out of nowhere. And the way that they finish the show and they culminate the whole thing, it was just great. It was so fun. I actually was sort of seated close to the stage but way off to one side, so I had a couple blind spots on the stage. I kind of want to go back and get a seat in the center so I can see the whole thing again. Maybe with the main actor who normally plays Michael at some point. And after the show kind of ends, but there's still a few more numbers with all the lights up, the huge standing ovation, and they're moving toward the curtain call where the cheers get louder and louder than the biggest applause for the main character. I was just looking around. I was looking behind me. And the theater was packed to the gills with just smiling faces across all races and ages, people happy, clapping in unison along to the beat, and it was just really fun and extremely well done. If you're a Michael Jackson fan, if you love his music, this is like a must-see. If you're kind of like me, you like some of his songs, you're a little bit ambivalent, you have some issues with his history and some of the things he was accused of, I think, credibly, I still encourage you to see it. And if you're a Michael Jackson hater, I mean, I guess they exist. I kind of defy you to really hate the show, truly. So that's uh, Theater Criticism Corner with Guy Benson. Seen a lot of them recently. I've just been kind of on a kick. I've enjoyed it. For reference, my favorite of all time on the traditional side of musicals is Les Mis. On the more modern side of musicals is Hamilton. I know those are both pretty cliche. Sue me. They're both really great. A classic and a modern classic. But, man, MJ, Strong Wreck, 
And with that, I got to moonwalk out of here because we're out of time. It's the weekend. Back here Monday on The Guy Benson Show. Before then, catch me on Media Buzz Sunday morning, Fox News Channel with Howie Kurtz. And then we'll be back on the radio next week. Have a fantastic weekend. It is The Guy Benson Show. That was this week's edition of Bonus Benson. For more Guy Benson Show, go to GuyBensonShow.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on Outkick.com forward slash watch. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.